0: Good morning and welcome. Welcome to worship at Pleasant Street Christian Reformed Church. It's good to see all of you today. Uh, For those of you gathered here with us in the room, there are guests, there are visitors, there are friends whom we haven't seen in a while returning, and it's good to have you with us today as we gather for worship. Welcome also to those of you who join us online uh, or via live stream today. If you are new to our congregation and want to know more, uh, you're welcome to check out our website, which has information about things happening in the life of our congregation and a little more information about who we are as a church. And for all of us, whether gathered in person or online, we come today through those doors out of many different kinds of weeks that we've had, some of them full of joy, some of them full of sorrow, some of them a mixed bag, others maybe not full enough of anything. Coming into this place, we remember that God has been with us throughout each and every step of those journeys. And in church, we have a chance to remember this. And every once in a while, we also have a chance to mark some of these occasions together. And so today, uh, part of the reason we have guests and friends and visitors with us is because uh, there are people in our lives who are marking new seasons of their lives. Today, we get to honor just a few of those. We get to recognize some of our second graders as they advance into third grade, and we get to honor some people who have graduated from high school and college. But friends, whether or not you mark one of those occasions, we remember in this place that it is God who walks with us through every season of our life, that our days are marked by his presence. And so friends, would you rise and body and spirit Let's worship together.
1: Good morning. good morning. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord, the Lord is good to all. He has made compassion for all he has made.
2: The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all that he does.
1: The Lord upholds all who fall lifts up all who are bowed Bowed down. down my mouth will speak in praise of the lord let every creature
3: praise his holy name forever and ever Good. His holy name Sing like never before Worship his holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I'll worship your holy name Lord I'll worship your holy
1: you may be seated. Father, you alone can count the times that we have sinned and wandering from your ways. Like the lost being lost with no map, how can we know the way?
3: Jesus answers answers us. I am the way.
2: Gracious God, we lie to each other and ourselves. We search out authenticity in a broken world instead of turning towards you. Jesus
3: Jesus tells tells us, I am the truth. truth.
1: We confess that we often just try to live a good life. We turn to ourselves for fulfillment. Jesus answers, I am the life. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to trust in you. Let's take a moment in a silent confession to God. Friends, if you repent and believe in God's redeeming mercy, your sins are forgiven. Trust in God's promises and follow Jesus, for only through Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Thanks be to God. I invite our deacons to come up for our offering. So, our offering is this week just for the ministries here at Pleasant Street. Uh, you can give through the baskets, or on the um, bulletin, there's a QR code, or for those that are online, you can use the, the website. Let's pray. God of love, you abide in us, and you provide for our every need. Out of gratitude for your care, we bring you these gifts to you. We pray that it will glorify you, and will further your kingdom here in Whitensville and across the world. In your name we pray, amen.
3: And throw Rock is clear for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Rockage is clear for me. Let me hide myself in
4: thee.
1: Friends in church, we hear. We get to confess our sins, and we hear the assurance from God. And we also get a chance to pass the peace of Christ with each other. So, friends, if you just rise, embody your spirit. And with that, the peace of Christ is with you. Also, also with, with you. you.
5: Good morning. Each year, we celebrate the kids that are entering third grade. And we do that by presenting them a Bible. And I got word that a few of our friends are a little too nervous to come up here this morning. And the first thing I thought was, yeah, me too. And I have not been up here in a long time. And those of you that know me know that I get nervous too. So my friends, who are nervous, if you are here, I'm nervous too, so come on up when I call your name, and if you don't want to, that's okay. I love God, I love kids, and I, help, I love helping kids get to know God. And one of the things that we are also doing, besides presenting a Bible, is sharing this devotion, it's called You're Invited. And it's a week of family devotions on the Lord's Supper. And this devotion will also help equip families. So we're kind of supplementing and we're helping along with that. But we we would like families to be equipped as well. So we have this really great book. And... Something I wanna point out is there's some really great information at the very back of this book that I think should be at the very front of this book. So families, make sure you take a look at the back of the book with all these extra things that will help equip you. So our new third graders, they've been, some of them have been attending Kid Street. Kid Street is age four through second grade. Now they will be invited to join ECHO for the summer. You can decide, you can go to ECHO, you can go to Kids Street, see what you wanna do. I know, nervous to come up here, nervous to go downstairs. It's really cool, believe me, it's really cool. We have some great people that go down there with you. It's it's great. Another thing that you'll be invited to do is take communion with us for the first time at the end of this month. Um, I think it's the 24th we have communion. And you're invited to stay in the service and take communion with us. So on that date, we'll be thinking of you and knowing that some of you will be taking communion for the first time. So I would like to invite those of you going into third grade to come up. So that's Lily, Caleb, Ryder, Garrett, Logan, and Shiloh. I know, Shiloh, you're watching from home. You're supporting your brother. Come on up. Caleb, Logan, and Garrett. Congregation, what is our prayer for these children? This is the word of the Lord. Learn its stories and study its words. Its stories belong to us all. They tell us who we are, they tell us that we are the people of God. We, re- we rejoice in this step in your journey with God. We pray that God will continue to guide you in his learning about him through his word.
0: We also have a chance to mark another occasion for others in our congregation who have since grown just a little bit taller, although some of you may be remember standing up here and receiving those Bibles. We want to also take a chance to honor those who have finished high school and who have graduated from college programs today. And there are three of those people that we want to highlight for you today. We want to mark this occasion uh, and so, if you are here, not everyone's able to be with us today, but you're welcome to come on up front and stand with me here. I know what you mean, Kate. It can be real lonely up front. Um, so, uh, we want to honor Ali Anima. She graduates from high school today. Ali, Ali, where are you? There you are. Yep. And also Gabe Brookhouse. And also Kate Martinka, who's not quite done yet. And in the same way, uh, it's not quite a Bible, but as we continue to grow in our journey of Jesus uh, to live in grace and walk in love, we hope this is a devotional that helps um, energize you in those endeavors, and congratulations in this step in your program. And friends, we have a prayer and a blessing for them. Would you join me in this? Congregation, what is our prayer for these graduates? Lord, bless these graduates and be with them so that they may bless others as they do the work to which you have called them. Lord, we ask that you would surround them with your spirit as they go forward with new eyes to see your work in their lives and the lives of all those they encounter. Listen to your voice and respond to your great love. Help them to know that no matter where life leads them, you will be with them. Help us as a congregation to continue to support them with our actions and prayers. Amen. Thanks be to God. To
4: God.
0: Let's voice our thanks in singing together.
1: If you'd just rise and body your spirit.
3: Jesus telling us
1: may be seated.
6: If Kid Street and Echo Kids and any other kids that are here would like to come up for a children's message, you are welcome. And you want to sit so you can see what I've got in my hands. Oh, good morning, good morning, have a seat, okay? Can you see back there? Hey, good job okay. well there's a passage in Deuteronomy which says parents you're to teach your children and then it tells, them, tells parents how to do it and they say what do you do with this what do you do with it you sit on it and it says parents when you're sitting in your house teach your kids so and then it says What do you do in the, at night? You lay, you lay and what do you do? You lay and sleep, yeah. So when you go to bed, you're supposed to teach your kids. What do you do in the morning? Wake up. Wake up. And it says when you wake up in the morning, you're supposed to teach your kids. You can work on Bible memory verses or read a Bible story and see what God is trying to teach you. Let's see. And then it says when you walk along your way, What does that mean? So I thought, how do you go to the grocery store? They walked. How do you go to the grocery store? Do you go to the grocery store? How do you get there? By what? By car. Yeah. They didn't have cars. And I don't know if they rode a donkey. But we take cars to the grocery store. So when you're driving with mom and dad... They're supposed to help you with your Bible memory verses or something that God has taught them or a Bible story. They're supposed to be teaching you when you go to and from the grocery store. Let's see what else is in here. How else does God teach us? (gasps) He says, write scripture on your forehead. Okay. Do we do that? Do you write scripture on your forehead? No. But what do we do with it? Yeah, we can wear a cross necklace. This happens to be a star of David. But we can wear jewelry that says, I belong to Jesus. Yeah. And then it says on the doorpost of your house, what's a doorpost? Do you have a doorpost in your house? If you have a door, you have a doorpost. (laughs) The doorpost is where the hinges are attached. I couldn't find a medusa. But where do we put these? Do you ever see one? What? Where do we put these, Kate? On your car. On your car! And it tells the person driving behind you, like, that person knows Jesus. So, wizard. But that gives a lot of responsibility to mom's dad and his grandpa's out there, because they're supposed to be teaching you how to do these things. But you know what? if you learn truth from the Bible, it is truth. You can't go wrong with it, because it's Jesus telling us, and that truth is 100% correct. And you follow Jesus' path, you're on the right road. You can't go wrong with when following Jesus. And the truth comes from Jesus, so we can depend on that, whether we're in bed, or sitting, or walking, or riding in the car, the truth is Jesus tells us the truth. Okay, Let's have a prayer. Lord, thank you for giving us your truth, and we know it's, it's correct, and we can't go wrong with it. Be with these boys and girls, and help them to grow into adults that love and serve you. In your name, amen. Okay, you can go downstairs to Kid Street, or Echo Kids, you may go back to your seat, or any other kids that came up.
7: Good morning, my good friends in Jesus Christ, how are you doing? Um, I'm an elder here, my name is Chuck McGrath, it's my pleasure to uh, honor, it, to lead us in morning prayer this morning. Um, just a word, this week we're, uh, we should please remember the annual CRC Synod, which will be taking place on June 10th through the 16th on the campus of Calvin University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. The denomination's 48 classes or regional assemblies have elected their 188 delegates, which include our Pastor Matthew. Please pray for him and all who attend as they seek God's presence in leading in all their prayers, their worship, the deliberations and decisions covering a wide agenda, weighty agenda, that once again include the human sexuality reports. God calls us to be a praying people. The first words of the Lord's Prayer, our Father in Heaven, teaches us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a Father able and ready to help us. And that we should pray with and for others, offering up our desires to God for things agreeable to His will. In the name of Christ, with confession of our sins and thankful knowledge of his mercies and blessings. Let us join now in prayer, offering our praises, thanksgivings, and intercessions to God. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, we gather here this morning to worship you. You are the just judge, holy and true. You are the most high God. You give us life. You hold all power in your hands. You are the mighty one who carries the world and rules over all the earth. Today we think about the world around us. We thank you for the springtime, the warm days and the rain, the blue skies, the time of rest and the beauty of the world around us. We ask that you soften the hearts of those who wish to make war in in this world. We pray for our government and our world leaders. We pray for your church throughout the world, those who are persecuted for spreading your word. Please be with our missionaries and missionary services. Use them to bring your light into the world. We pray for synod as they meet this week. Be with our delegates as they travel and make decisions to further your kingdom. We thank you for our volunteers, our teachers, our musicians, the staff here at Pleasant Street Church, and others who serve. Thank you for their faithful service. We ask your help in filling positions that have opened up in our church, Lord. We pray for the council, leaders, bless their lives and their service, energize their souls, grant them the desire to grow in faith and inspire others. This week, we think about our graduates. We thank you for the good work you have begun in them. We look forward to the new things to come with great anticipation. Be with them as they walk this journey with you. By their side, blessing them and guiding their steps to the good life you have planned for them. Thank you, Lord. Oh Lord, this morning we remember our elder elderly brothers and sisters who live in nursing homes and who are shut in. We pray for them along with all those who live in retirement communities. May they always feel our loving embrace. Lord, at this time we remember those who have walked the journey of life before us. We remember how they influenced our lives, shaped our character, and enabled us to become the people we are. You give us all good things. Be with those who are grieving at this time. There are many at this time, Lord. Be with the Kewick family. Let us pray for our church community and all those among us who are struggling with major challenges in their lives. Hank E, Carol L. we got Simeon, who had his surgery this Thursday. May he heal from that. And Sheila who has fallen, as Tom C.'s sister broke her hip. Lord, be with them this very moment and give them the strength they need. In you, Lord, you can put our trust, we can put our trust in you to heal us and protect us from the enemies and death of our souls. Let us pray for those who are traveling, enjoying recreation, for those gathering here and those absent, that through our joy, we may bring joy to the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day of rest and this opportunity to restore our souls, strengthen our desire to keep your day holy, and help us to resist the urge to be busy at all times. In the words of John Piper, may the power of the lion and the love of the lamb make our faith in Christ unshakable. So deliver us from small dreams and timid ventures and halting plans. Enable us, strengthen us, make us love with fierce and humble love. And in all, grant that you might be honored through him, Jesus Christ. O God, this is what we long for. We ask for a blessing on our sermon this morning. Open our ears that we might hear your word and be blessed by it. For your love and goodness, we give you thanks, O God. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Through our Lord Jesus Christ,
2: amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from John 14, verses 1 through 10, and verse 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Friends, good morning. It's good to be with you today on this happy and and joyful Sunday. As we come to the end of our series in uh, Easter season, looking at I Am statements that Jesus says about himself, Uh, would you pray with me as we get started this morning? Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, gathered in your presence as those marked by your promises um, to be with us throughout the days of our lives We have come here on this day, hoping to find you among us now. Lord, we hear your promise that you are the way and the truth and the life. We ask that you would come in the way that you do, that you would, by your Spirit, open our eyes to the truth that we might know what abundant life is. We pray this in your name. Amen. When he was a pastor at Christ the King Presbyterian, Eugene Peterson would preach, which is often what pastors do. And sometimes it would happen that after the worship service had ended, a well-meaning member or a guest or a leader in his church would come up to him and say, well, all of that was very wonderful, pastor, but now we have to get back to the real world, don't we? Peterson found this distressing. Not because it meant that his sermons weren't applicable or understandable, although maybe that was part of it, but mostly because it meant that people in church that day had not understood that they had just been in the real world. They did not realize that in that sermon and in those hymns and in those readings of scriptures and the assurance of forgiveness, that they were in fact participating in a world that had been invaded by God's grace and was full of the power of God's new life. They weren't taking this seriously. We sympathize. Because we too struggle to understand that what is happening right now, that what we are doing in worship, well, that in fact we are with the living Christ here, who is the most real reality there is. Which is in fact what Jesus says to us today in his final I am statement that we're looking at together. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. During Easter season, we've been walking with Jesus, we've been letting himself identify to us, we've been trying to take him seriously. But today, he says something to us that is very hard to take seriously. He says that he is the way, the truth, the life, all three. You know, for us, in our world, the way that you live and what is true and what makes life meaningful, these are concepts that are not necessarily related to each other. In our world, the way that we live is what works. The truth is whatever feels true. The life, well, that's, that's what you make it. And so it is hard to take seriously that this single man could be somehow all three of these things at the same time, that he is the embodiment of way and truth and life. Which is, in fact, what Jesus is saying. He's saying that He is spiritual reality in the flesh. He is the full and complete picture of what a way to live in the world is like, of what truth is, of what real abundant life looks like. But it doesn't always seem like it. Because we still have so many questions. And today we see that we're in good company. All disciples seem to struggle with this reality. In fact, it goes all the way back to the time that the 12 were gathered in the upper room with Jesus. There in the presence of Jesus, they still don't seem to understand who really is with them. How do we know? Well, because of the questions they ask Where are you going, Jesus? How long will you be gone? Lord, show us the Father, and we won't ask you for any more favors. Where are you going? How long will you be gone? If you've ever been in the home, in a home with small children, you might recognize these questions. They're the kinds of questions that children ask when mom leaves for work or dad for the store or when they're going out on a date and the babysitter comes over. When we are small, seeing mom and dad leave makes us nervous. It doesn't really matter if mom's only going to Hannaford's two and a half miles away. It can feel like she is going to the ends of the earth. It doesn't matter that dad will be home in a few hours after work or that the date will be over and we will see mom and dad very first thing in the morning because it feels like they are going to be gone forever. And so we ask questions like, where are you going? When will you be back? Because it worries us. When someone we love leaves, which is what the disciples seem to be experiencing today, for Jesus has just been telling them that he is leaving. Jesus says, I am going to the Father. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I will come back for you. And they ask, where are you going? When will you be back? How will we know where you're going? Although it does seem a little bit like what they are really asking is why. Why do you have to go at all? Well, these questions are very understandable, given everything that is just happened in John. In John chapter 13, Jesus is with his 12 closest friends in the protected privacy of this upper room, and there in the presence of Jesus, he has told them wonderful things about God. He has fed them a meal at his table, telling them that this bread and this cup, they are a symbol and a sign of God's ultimate act of love in giving himself. Then, then Jesus took off his outer clothes, and he knelt down, taking the place of lowest honor, and he washed their feet to show them how great they were in his eyes. And now having done this, the mood suddenly turns dark, and Jesus begins to tell them some very troubling things. He tells them that Peter, 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 of all people, in just a few hours will defect, And he tells them that someone at this table, at this meal, is about to betray him and all of them as well. And Jesus tells them that he is leaving and that where he is about to go, the disciples cannot follow. And left with these troubling words about how hard the road is going to get going forward, that Jesus will not be with them in the same way that they have known him up until this point, Jesus says, don't be troubled, but they are, because everything that he's just told them is troubling. Jesus says, my my father's house has many rooms, and that's where I'm going just now. I'm going to get it ready for you, and if I go, I will come back. But Thomas doesn't want him to leave at all. No wonder he asks, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we possibly know the way? Thomas wants a kind of map for the spiritual life. We understand that. It may have been that we've heard ourselves ask for something very much the same at some point. Because all of us want to know what life is really like. All of us would like to know what's really actually true in the world and in ours, which is full of fake news and distorted reality. All of us would like to know a quality of life that you could only describe as abundant. And Jesus says, if you want this, you must go with me because I am the truth and I am real life. And we hear this. But there are a couple of things that we would like to understand first. It reminds me of a scene in The Silver Chair, C.S. Lewis's sixth book in The Chronicles of Narnia. And in this scene, Jill Pole has just found herself transposed into the magical world of Narnia. And she's just been separated from her friend, Eustace, who's fallen off of a cliff. And she is sad, and she is alone, and she is lost in this strange place. And she is so very, very thirsty. After drying her tears, she begins to notice the sound of what can only be a stream, and so she gets up and she goes off to find it. And she comes to the stream of clear, cold water. And this is great, except for one thing: There is a lion lying next to the stream. Jill is terrified of the lion, even as she is also dreadfully thirsty. Seeing that she is caught in this dilemma between two things, the lion asks her, is she thirsty? And she replies that she is dying of thirst. Then drink, the lion says. But she is too afraid, and so she asks the lion, would you mind going off a little ways so that I could drink in privacy and be alone? And even as she says it, the low growl in reply reminds her that this is very presumptuous. That she might as well have just asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. So instead, she asks the lion if he will promise not to do anything to her. If she bows her head and kneels down and drinks, because it is, after all, a very vulnerable position to be in, the lion responds that he will make no such promises. Driven nearly frantic with thirst, she then asks the lions, "'Well, do you eat girls?' Matter-of-factly, the lion responds, "'I have swallowed up girls.'" and boys, men, and women, whole cities and realms. Jill, dare not come to the water, and the lion says, then you will die of thirst. And she says, I suppose I'll look for another stream then. The lion replies, there is no other stream. And we understand this dilemma. The scene that C.S. Lewis describes is, of course, the one that he has lived in his own conversion and one that is familiar to us. All of us come to Jesus because we are thirsty, because we are hungry, because we are desperate, and we are wanting our questions answered. Like Thomas, somewhere inside of us, we have this idea that we will submit our lives to Jesus in all love and trust and obedience, after he has answered our questions. But this is like asking Aslan not to eat us, or to please leave us alone while we drink from his stream. We have questions, but at some point we must either drink and live or wait forever parched. Thomas says, we don't even know where you are going. How can we know the way? He is in this dilemma. Can you give us a map to be able to follow you? Otherwise, we're lost here. Jesus says, I am the way. Thomas wants a map, but Jesus won't give him one. What he does is he gives him himself. But Philip Philip has another question. There is something a little bit different that he is wanting. Philip wants something a little more certain to hold on to. Having heard that Jesus is leaving, believing that Jesus is who he says, Philip says, Can you just give me one more favor before you go? Lord, show us the Father, and we won't ask you for anything else. Can you hear in Philip this earnest desire to have something solid to hold on to, a security blanket, a comfort. Okay, Lord, I understand you have to leave. I know you don't want us to be too worried, so all I need is a clear picture of what God is really like. If you could just give us that, then we'll be okay until you come back. Philip wants just this one last parting gift from Jesus before he goes. What does he want? He, he wants to know what God is actually like. Jesus, with all tenderness, says, Philip, that is exactly what I have been trying to show you for the last three years. In this conversation, we see a misunderstanding As old as Jesus, following. Philip thinks Thomas wants something more. They think there's got to be more to what we're doing here than just Jesus and this meal and his service and commands for all of us to do the same for each other with this ragtag group of strangers. There's got to be more. Than just this. There's got to be more revelation, more power, more assurance. I don't know, more. Is this it? We may have found ourselves asking this too. Isn't there more of God something behind Jesus? Aren't there more levels of revelation or secrets to the spiritual life? Jesus, you're leaving and the time is short and we're all, we're all going to have to stay here and work this out. And if it's just us against the world that does not like what you have to say, that does not honor who you declare yourself to be, you've got to give us something. We recognize this response. It's something we may have said to when we face troubling news. Isn't there more? Like Philip, we think that what we really need to carry out the hard road of discipleship is just a little more security. We live like the first disciples with these same realities in the upper room, my friends. We have experienced God's love. We do know something of what it is to be washed in baptism, and we have tasted what the grace of God is like in the supper But we also walk a hard road of discipleship in a world that is walking a different path. And it invites questions. Where are you just exactly right now? And when will you be back? And how will we know that it's you? Sometimes I think that what we are really asking, though, is why? Why? Why did you have to leave at all? And why does it have to be this way? Why don't you heal my family? Why do you allow people the room to sin in ways that cause such immense harm? And caught in this dilemma between these two things, craving for more, At times, there are movements, there are churches, there are leaders that have been all too eager to provide the kinds of assurance we crave. We take refuge in large churches, for there is nothing quite like success to tempt us to believe that all is well. There is safety in numbers, and spiritually speaking, there is also security. And there can be the feeling of such assurance in charismatic and dynamic persons with clear vision of what God wants for us. It absolves us of the need to be the ones who are praying and discerning ourselves. Spiritually speaking, we trust their knowing of God much more than we trust our own. However, inevitably movements end and leaders do sometimes fail. And when the bottom drops out, we wind up less secure than we were before. Like Philip, what we think that we really need to carry out this hard road of discipleship is a little more security. What we are looking for is something more real and more certain to set our hope on in this world. Because life in this world is difficult and many times we do not know the way. Although, did you notice that today, Jesus is confident that we do? Jesus is confident that we do. You know where I'm going, he says. Do you know how to get there? Thomas says, Lord, forgive me for saying this, but we have absolutely no such idea about where you're going, much less the way. You know the way, Jesus says, because you know me. And Jesus says to them, I am the way and the truth and the life, which among other things is Jesus' way of telling us all that he is the realest thing in the world. Jesus is the most real reality there is. Well, how can that be? Because Jesus says he is the full and complete revelation of what God is really and actually like. When you hear me speaking... He says, you are hearing God himself. Philip says, tell us about what God is really like. Jesus says, in my presence, you are in the presence of what God is really like. Jesus says, we do know the way. He's given us directions. He is the way. It's him. In his words, And in His gifts of water and bread and wine, by the power of His Spirit, God Himself is with us. Here, in these words, in this bread, in this cup. Where is it? There it is. These are the way that God is present with us. And these are the way that God feeds and cares for you. I have been reading a lot of overtures these past couple of weeks. Senate is coming up, and never in my life have I read so many synodical words. Reading these things, I have been reminded that our denomination is full of questions. Our churches are full of people looking and craving for assurances along the way as we face hard realities in our discipleship in Jesus' following. I was reminded that we had a slogan in our denomination. We put it on coffee cups. It said, 400,000 by 2,000. We are a long way from that coffee cup. We all know that the road ahead will be harder than the one behind us. We are not the first to face challenging days for following Jesus. There are as many prescriptions today out there as you might imagine. But I was really struck by something written in an act of synod. I never thought I'd be quoting an act of synod in a sermon, and yet here we are, right? Right? Last year, Senate, looking at our challenging conversations and the difficult road of discipleship ahead of us, it said in just one sentence, buried in a 900-page document, that as churches, we must reimagine our life together around the Word of God, around sacraments and discipleship. That's it. How can that possibly be enough? We do do we do we not see the seven-headed hydra of complicated issues the church must respond to in the future? Do we not see dwindling numbers and institutional corruption and changing financial realities and closing churches and hostile culture and 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 oh yes, oh yes, we see that. We see it all. And it's because of this that we must Reimagine our life together around the things that the disciples had in that first upper room the word, sacraments, and discipleship. Why? Is it because these things are traditional and time tested? Is it because they're somehow magical? Is that why? No. It's because, for whatever reason, in these things, Christ is present. And in his word, Jesus makes the Father himself known to us, and there is nothing beyond all of the things that Jesus says. There is no hidden God who is secretly keeping things from us. It's all there for the world to see in the person of Jesus. In bread and wine, Jesus feeds us with the reminder that God really and genuinely has forgiven all of our sins. All of them we say, yes, all of them. It's as real as the taste of bread in your mouth. Dry as it is, it is as nourishing as that shot of grape juice that follows right after it. And it changes everything. And in the simple act of devoting our lives to each other under the lordship of Jesus Christ, his community of people together embody something more than seems to be happening here. For friends, this is what God offers us. And sometimes we do mistake these things for routine or for tradition and we think that this bread and this grape juice is not even close to meeting the task of the week or life that I am facing right now. But my friends, these are the most real things in the world. Because through them, God reminds us of what he has given to us as we walk the hard road of discipleship, which is himself. In other words, it, it is really God who is really present for us, as we really are in a way that we can really receive. Whatever the disciples may ask, Jesus will keep offering not simply answers, but something much more, his own presence. Pardon for sin, the peace that endures, God's own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today, and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all ours, with 10,000 beside. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, would you pray with me? God of the way and the truth and the life, in worship today, we ask that you would help us not to take lightly this message that you have given to us, but instead to understand that it is the realest and most profound thing that we have. Help us by your Spirit to sense the power and the beauty and the mission that you have breathed into us by your Spirit. Help us to step forward in trust knowing that you have given us all that we need and held nothing back. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Friends, as a church, as we are learning to respond together, as Kate reminded us, we have chances to do this together and in small group ways. One of those is through Echo. And so I want to invite our third through fifth grade students to come forward one more time as we say a blessing and a prayer for each other and as we get ready to respond to God together in song. People of God, what is our prayer? Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard and live in ways that Honor you above all. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Friends, would you rise in body and in spirit and let's sing together.
3: Please still my lips.
0: Brothers and sisters, as those marked by the promises of God gathered in his presence, fed by his bread and wine and story, would you lift your voice and saying the ancient confession of our faith together, declaring with one voice, I believe, believe in God, God the Father Almighty, Almighty, creator, creator of heaven,
1: heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his, his only Son, Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead.
4: He ascended to
1: heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. From heaven where he
0: is seated and from where he will come again, the Lord God descends upon you with a blessing. I invite you to lift your eyes, open your hands, and receive it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Let's go singing.
4: In Christ alone, my
3: hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. So love what depths of peace when fears are still. of Christ I live. in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me, from life's prescribed to final prayer, Jesus commands my death.
1: Go now in peace to love and serve Jesus Christ.